It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast with two hosts participating in a prestigious but made-up golf tournament this weekend. We're back for another episode. It's Banks. It's RDT. It's myself, Taylor Smythe. Great to have all the listeners back for another week. And we have to jump right into it. It's training camp time. It's Ravens time. And it's another Lamar Jackson topic. And this is the most important one we've talked about over the last few weeks. He was the story of the NFL as we record here on a Wednesday, testing positive for COVID-19. He is out for, I believe, 10 days is the, is the, is the number. Um, yep. He was tested after reporting last week. He was tested every day, um, which means he is unvaccinated. Um, the unvaccinated players in the NFL have to be tested every day. Vaccinated ones have different rules. Um, for what they can and can't do. Lamar tested positive. Gus Edwards also tested positive um, and is having a COVID situation. So everything blew up here on the first day of camp as Trace McSorley and Huntley are out there tossing the ball around instead of Lamar Jackson. Look, I mean, we went through this entire COVID situation from the microcosm of sports last year with the, the, the movement of players that happened throughout the year involving competition. The NFL, as everyone knows that I'm sure listen to this show or follow sports, is going to have a very stringent policy in how they deal with COVID. They want everyone vaccinated, and they're having teams forfeit if they have enough COVID outbreaks to not play. So this is going to come into play as we go through. Uh, your guys' just initial reaction to this happening. And Lamar Jackson, from a football sense, this is, you know, if it's the same thing as a sprained ankle, he's missing the beginning of training camp, which is never what you want QB1 to be doing, but that's where we are. I'm just annoyed. That's, that's really just what it comes down to. I, I heard that this was the case from one person the night before that it came out. So I heard this on Tuesday night that he had a positive. You know, the, the Gus Edwards news had been out for a couple hours, and so I figured, like, within a matter of minutes, I was going to hear about Lamar Jackson, and it was dead silent. Even when camp started, people started rolling out, coming out onto the field. It took until I think they were actually doing things for people to be like, oh, there's no Lamar Jackson out there, huh? And then it took another 20, 30 minutes for somebody, Schefter and, and Hensley and Rap Sheet, they finally put it together like, oh, I guess uh, there's something wonky going on COVID-wise with Lamar Jackson. And um, – I mean, I had the blog all written already because I just had to write about it immediately because when I heard the news, I was so – I was fired up. I was mad. I was like, we spent – you spend so much time, and this is just in general as a football fan. When you – when a season ends, you spend like eight months. There's no other sport that has this long of an off season where you're just left there to kind of stew and think about how the last season went, and you wait as long as you do for, for at least some real football of some sort to happen. So training camp day one is one of the most exciting days of the year. It's like Christmas morning. And for, for me to get this news on the eve of Christmas, Christmas morning, and then start to wonder whether or not it's actually true, just because there, were, there, were, there was no other smoke for what I heard about it, which is why I didn't really report it. And then it comes out that it happens, and there's no Lamar Jackson out there. I'm like, fuck. Like, we're – the 2020 Ravens season was derailed by the whole COVID thing. We lost the division because of it. We finished a game behind the Steelers. If you don't think that we're beating them in Pittsburgh with the way that that team was falling off the, the fucking, you know, they, I mean, they were a disaster the last month and a half of the season. We were going to go up there if we had Lamar Jackson and run them out of their own building. And 
we cost ourselves a division with this whole COVID thing, with the outbreak that we had. And that was one of the worser weeks I can remember as a Ravens fan in terms of just a game getting pushed back over and over and over. And so that had a material change. Like it materially changed the way that the season went. Um, and I just felt that the Ravens just um, – I've said this like eight times, I think, between this podcast and the blog. On a scale from one to ten, the season went was about a three in terms of what they could have been. And you spend all off season looking at what you did wrong, what you could do better. And I, I, w- I was hoping and I was excited that something would be different about 2021. And for us to start so quickly on the same exact note, it's just frustrating. It's frustrating. And it's, I mean, the spin zone of course is you're glad that it's happening now and you're not, you're glad it's not happening in week one, week two or week 17, 18, whatever it might be. But it's just, Man, like, can we not? Can we just not do this again? Can we not do this whole storyline again? We, the, the, the other narrative all offseason was, what are they going to do about the pass attack? What are they going to do? They're going to go get, you know, Rashad Bateman, and they're going to, um, you know, go get Sammy Watkins and all these things. And how can Lamar Jackson take the next step as a passer, even though people don't give him the credit for what kind of pass he already is? Like, that was one of the biggest storylines going in and for him to miss the first 10 days of training camp when he didn't get a full training camp last year, it just sucks. There's no way around it. It sucks. So I'm, I'm already, I'm already fed up. I didn't a, you know, excitement that everybody got when they woke up this morning, I'm pissed off about it and rant, I guess. I was going to say, I think your, your use of frustrated is the right – is that's the complete right word. I mean, you, again, the, the Ravens have a prime – they're in a prime position to win a championship. Like, they're, they're, they're knocking on the door, and, and this is stuff, like, like you said, that can derail it. And you saw it derailed last year with the Steelers game and a couple other games that, that you know, that could have gone their way and didn't because of COVID stuff. But, it, it, again, it, from a Ravens – from the outside looking in – at the Ravens, like this has to be very frustrating again, like you said, um, and not, not forcing a vaccine, you know, you should get it. You shouldn't. But again, it's like, if you're the Ravens, you, and, and like you said, they're, they're over 90% backs. Like that's, that's, I think they have to be the highest in the league, right? You would think they're, they're among the highest in the league. I think the Jets said that they're 90% vaxxed. I, you know, obviously the, the controversy with the Washington football team, they're at 60%, which is I think a league low. Um, so I don't think there's a team that's announced they're hundred percent backs, but a lot of teams getting there. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm sure it's among the highest, but I don't think yeah, all mean, of those numbers have come out at this point. 90%. I mean, that's a lot. And, and again, you'd think that, that the Ravens being so close that it's like, Hey guys, we saw what happens last year. If this thing gets in and gets spreading, we can't risk that because people have said it. People said it about college football. They said it about the world series last year in baseball, like, it may not be the best team that wins. It's going to be the healthiest team. It's going to be the team that, that can keep COVID away the longest. And it's like, if the Ravens, I mean, again, you got, you got Marlon Humphrey. It's, it seems like it's a couple of the running backs and Lamar who's not vaccinated. And I mean, that's, you lose Gus Edwards, you lose Lamar. It's like, all right, we'll have fun with justice Hill and, you know, and, and, and trace McSorley and, and we'll see if from there and, and see what they can do. But Again, for, I mean, like you said, frustrating has to be the correct word, and, and it, it, that, I feel like that nails it right, you know, right on the head. Ten minutes into Hard Knocks last year, Anthony Lynn said the team that gets through this COVID thing and with the least this, that, and the others, with the least distractions, whatever it might be, is 
damn well might be the team that wins it. I can't remember the Buccaneers having any outbreaks. I, no, I, I don't can't think they did. either. Really, I don't. I don't think. I mean, again, I'm sure. I'm sure they may have had a couple, but yeah, it's it's it. It wasn't a storyline with them, like it was the Ravens last year, moving the Thanksgiving game and and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we we talked about it. It's so funny to to bring it down to like a such a small level. The the thing that was preached, you know, at, at Maryland's and and I'll use our men's soccer team's example. Sasha Sarafsky's our head coach, said, told our guys they got to win the COVID Cup before they can win the national championship. You've got to stay away and do the right things to stay away from Good the virus. Guy. Yeah, to put yourself in position to actually win. I think it's really interesting, the other part of this, and, and I, I, I don't know if this is a like-for-like like comparison, but you saw this at the College World Series where guys that were fully vaccinated weren't getting tested. And one of the reasons NC State had so many guys test positive, and they, I think they – is because they had so many guys not vaccinated, they were just in the testing pool more. So if you look at the NFL's policy, an unvaccinated player has to go through daily testing. A vaccinated player gets tested every 14 days. So just the sheer amount, as we see people get, we just saw John Ron pull the Olympics as a vaccinated guy. We just saw you know, Ryan Braun test positive for COVID as a vaccinated guy. So Christian it's positive. Excuse me, Christian Yelich. I think it was Christian Yelich. I was confused with oh, I thought you were saying Ryan Braun did too. I was like, oh. no, Christian Yelich is right. I don't know why I got those two guys confused in my head for a second there. But uh, no, that you're also just staying away from the possibility of testing positive <laughs> by being vaccinated. And we don't have to get into a big long thing about vaccination. I, I think it's a, it's professionally insane that these guys are not vaccinated. I mean, it, there is just no excuse for it. I understand that these things are a personal choice. My personal choice is I feel like in the social contract, you have everybody else. This helps everybody else in your society. That's not how some people look at it. But the fact that you, you know, the NFL has these policies in place and you're Lamar Jackson, I don't know what his COVID, his COVID vaccine issue is, but now you've put your team at a huge disadvantage around a time where you, you're negotiating in a giant contract where you're going to become the face of the franchise. You're, first of all, you're already the face of the franchise, but you're going to sign the ink on the line that's face of the franchise. This is a tough way to come back. And look, I'm not blaming the guy for getting COVID. You can, anybody could get COVID, you know, but to not do all the things to put yourself in a position to be out there the first day to help yourself win a championship. He's on the Ravens podcast talking about changing his number after he wins his first Super Bowl. It's like, you've got to do the things to actually get there. Um, so I think frustrating is definitely the word, you know, it was nice to see Trace McSorley apparently had a great practice today. I'm sure that doesn't really, you know, suffice anybody's frustration, but you saw, you saw wide receivers. You saw really good Hollywood Brown clips today. Mm-hmm. Heard really good things about other receivers. It would have been nice for Lamar Jackson to be making those throws instead of Trace McSorley and Tyler Huntley and Kenji Bahar. That, that is to me the worst part of that is you're losing this time as they apparently try to retool their passing attack. This is a big 10 days. It's a big first 10 days for him to not be, out there running that stuff with those guys. If you're trying to win a championship. So I, the more I, I'm listening about him, the more I'm just getting mad as I'm just come on. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? I usually don't like really like Michael Irvin and and put a lot of, you know, I, I don't really take his two cents into into consideration. But I thought what he said the other day where like if you're not vaccinated, you're not trying to win. I think that's I think that's pretty pretty nailed down and good. Like in again, terms of the way the NFL has laid out the rules, that mm-hmm. is correct. Like we they talked about, said if you're we want you to get vaccinated, so you have a better chance to get paid and win football games. That's how they laid it out. So yeah, and 
and because isn't the thing like can't you you're not practicing like because wasn't it if you're not if you're not vaccinated you're not in the meet, in the team meetings you're the team meals the weight room the practice field all that stuff with the vaccinated players right wasn't that what they were saying or or were they I don't know I th- I thought a, there's a variety of things I think the big I think the biggest thing is like you're getting daily tested which is just another thing you've got to do each and every day not that that you know not that that's like a thank you for you know like you've got to do it but like. It, I, I think it comes back to your vaccination rate is a competitive advantage right now in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The less amount of guys you have getting tested every day is a competitive advantage, especially if people can get COVID vaccinated and that's going to force players out at this the point. I, the irony is when the news came out that we were 90% vaccinated, I was like, good, absolutely. Like we're, we're, we're thinking, you know, smartly about how things went last year. You know, it's, I don't know. And, and, and we're just finding ourselves right here. And there's, yeah, there's a short list of guys that are still, I pretty much had the list. I don't know if it's public and I don't even know if it's one of those things you're not supposed to say or not, but it's just like, come on, dude, just, just do it. It's, it's also like, I don't understand football, especially. And I think Coley wrote about it on the blog and a bunch of other people have said it. Football players love to do, you know, I'll do anything for my guys. I, I like Ronnie Lott ripped off a finger. I'll ride for my guys. I'll do whatever it takes. You're, you know, you're, you're willingly running full speed into 270 pound guys and risking CTE and broken bones and all that for the love of the game and to win this championship. And then it comes down to something as small as like a vaccine. And it's like that I won't do. Like Cole Beasley has no problem getting shot up with Toradol to numb the entire lower half of his body so he can run a slant. But God forbid he, you know, gets this vaccine and he's like, oh, no, no, that's where I draw the line. That to me is insane. And, and going off the Ravens a little bit, like we talked about off the air, is, is the Redskins, the Washington football team thing, where it's, again, it's just like a selfish, you know, you're, you got a coach coming back from cancer. I said it was about the Orioles and Trey last night. You got a guy coming back from cancer and, and selfishly, they're like, no, you know what? I, I'll, I always say I'll ride for my guys, you know, I'll die for my guys, but I won't get a vaccine to, you know, because his, his immune system is compromised and stuff like that. It's just crazy because again, the Ravens are such a good team and they, they're, they have this window where they can, they can win a championship. I don't think it would surprise anyone if they did, but it's like, it, you know, a couple, a couple more cases later in the year at the end of the year and, and that could blow it all up. So it's, it's, it, it's it, shocking it's to me a- that people are still risking it. Yeah. And it's just an ominous start. Like I think Banks, you sort of said it well, you know, you have this great feeling of hope on the first day of training camp and not just outside of the building and among fans, you have that in the building, you have this new ability to build the freshness of, you know, I, those guys look happy to even have the media there at the building. You know, I think the media, it was the first time the media had met in person with Clayus Campbell, the guy's been on the team for over a year. It, 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 so you have all of those things. And now everything John Harbaugh talks about is, you know, and he, and he said, it's just the world we live in right now, but he's got to be, I mean, those guys have just got to be so upset behind the scenes. I mean, there's no way they couldn't be. And obviously they're going to say the right things. Hollywood Brown said, look, we'll look, look out for our guys and, and, and we're going to pick them up and it is what it is. And that's all fine and good. I don't think it's going to strain them from a locker room perspective, but it does strain your development as a football team when your quarterback is not there for the first 10 days of training camp. And that, that I think is the biggest part on the field is that Lamar Jackson is losing time to, you know, kind of get up to speed. And that could affect the Ravens the first few weeks of the season um, at a certain point. But and, 
And it, it is wild. I mean, the va- it's going to be very interesting to see how this, because you, Eric, you touched on some stuff around the league. It's going to be interesting to see how this develops and how this specific Lamar Jackson situation influences the way other teams now go about this. Cause this is the highest profile guy to, for this to happen to in the year of 2021 NFL. I mean, there's maybe only a handful of guys, bigger, bigger names than him. And in, in the, the fact that you said that, and then I'm just thinking, yeah, he was the biggest one in 2020 too like yeah 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 i mean he got COVID seven months ago thanksgiving week it it, you know it's it's wild it's it's just and it's tough to it's tough for the ravens who obviously i think you know and, and you saw it in some of the way they handled it public i think they were a little ashamed at how they handled COVID last year and i think that as you touched on at the top banks they felt like I'm sure that it, you know, hurt their ability to go where they wanted to go. And I'm sure just internally in a facility, they're such, that's such a proud organization from top to bottom of how they do things, the method in which they do things on and off the field. And I'm sure they thought, wow, we, when we lost that one, we did not have, you know, you know, our, our eyes dotted and our T's crossed. And for this to now come on the first day of training camp is organizationally something they have to deal with. So. I, would, I would love to be a fly on the wall in John Harbaugh's office and just hear kind of – because, again, like, he, he always has a – I feel like he always can put a positive spin on things, and he kind of – yeah, and, like, I heard him, yeah, you know, Gus Edwards has a COVID thing, and Lamar Jackson also tested positive, and he's always kind of, you know, upbeat and all that. But I would love to hear behind the scenes, like, what he really thinks because, again, I mean, they, they were – it started out with the Titans last year, and it ended up with the Ravens being – kind of the laughing stock of the league and not a laughing stock because it's obviously a very serious disease where hundreds of thousands of people are dying, but it's like, I mean, they were the butt of all the COVID jokes because of, of that. They, they just couldn't keep that thing contained. And, and like you said, it's weird big too, because it didn't happen two weeks in a training camp. It, it, like you said, it's opening your box, your present on Christmas morning being like, I got literally all underwear and this. Sucks. It's a Frank Reynolds fake out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened to me. And, I got and a fake out. It's so also fi- not like it was, it's not a, like I said, he's going to miss 10 days. It's not like, Oh, Hey, he tweaked, he tweaked an ankle or he, he came up limp grabbing his hamstring. He's gonna, probably going to sit him out for 10 days. Like this is going to feed into like Colin Cowherd. And, and like I texted you guys, Colin Cowherd and, and skip were probably like foaming at the mouth being like, Lamar Jackson just gave oh, us it's another week. It takes days. another week. It takes. Yeah. Like Cowherd is going to have an absolute field day with this. And I'm and, stunned that Florio didn't hit him with that. Well, if he had an agent, I bet he would have been vaccinated a hundred percent. And like, again, I mean, this is going to fill it fit into the narrative of like, and that's why you can't, you know, this is why you can't have him be your leader in the clubhouse and be a franchise guy and stuff like that. Cause you know, some idiot is going to take that and run with it. And the, 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 the two final things that I would say about it, comparing this for what happened to last year, because you sort of we went that direction a little bit. At this point last year, it was, it was, you know, there were jokes that were made about the outbreak that they had, but it was hard to get too upset in the sense that, you know, there was no way, you know, you could do everything to stay away from COVID and, and potentially still get it. You know, mm-hmm. you, could, you could go get groceries and do everything you could and still get it. Or you could go to this place or interact with this person. And you just, it just, unfortunately... That's what's going on. But now, now you have the ability to get something that keeps it away from you. And there are guys that aren't doing that. So in this situation, it's more now of, you know, where you can get a little more upset for a person, you know, getting as unfortunate as our top line priority is Lamar Jackson's health. Obviously hope that he's okay. But 
for him to not put himself in a position to not get it. I mean, and, and this is just, it just because this back to this entire vaccination debate, which you could do a hundred podcasts on. And, and it's, it's just, it, I think people are tired of this talk depending on, I guess, which side of it you're on, but there was a way for him for this to not happen potentially. And he didn't take those precautions and you get frustrated as someone you're like, well, we just want hundred percent of people vaccinated. And there's these, these people out there just aren't doing it. Um, so I'm tired of having to have to talk about it. Yeah. 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 And I think everyone's beaten down this shit over with. Yeah. So by, by the way, my, my last thing on it, um, I saw the video Calais Campbell saying like he's vaccinated, but he's not going to force it on anyone. If I'm a player who's unvaccinated and Calais Campbell comes up to me in the locker room, like standing over me being like, listen, dude, you should probably get this. I'm headed out to a Walgreens like right then and there. I, I <laughs> was that's about not a guy that I would want to get on his bad side. I was about to say, I'm surprised and I could be wrong about this. Maybe I'm just blind to it, but I'm surprised there hasn't been some big, huge monster name athlete that's been just banging the hell out of the drum to get to saying people to get vaccinated. There's, it's that's a great question. Yeah, because I mean, like you all it, say, all it, it takes you, is someone like Mahomes to be like, guys, listen, let's fucking get it together. Let's and or like Brady, someone like that. People would be like, yeah, you know, what? yeah, I'll do it. You and you have, you have the players' association that essentially agree to a lot of the COVID rules that the NFL put in place and maybe internally amongst that, we don't know those discussions that there's communication among player association reps and, 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 and the executives there to, to promote this around the league. But you're right. I'll be interested to see if the NFL does, you know, the public service announcement, not only to, you know, fans and spectators, Hey, to come in the stadium, we'd prefer that you're vaccinated, but for their own players, like, I did. I went on the long joke thing a couple of weeks ago about Olivia Rodrigo going with Biden and like promoting the vaccine to young people. But at a certain point, like people on that type of stage convince others that they feel like they have more trust for it. And it, you're right. I'm shocked that hasn't happened. That's, that's a really, really good point. Uh, we could go on this forever. There's other storylines from Ravens training camp. I, it's, you know, Hollywood Brown, I think based on just the scan of Twitter and the media that was there had a very, very good day. Um, and it seemed like the receivers in general and, and the two quarterbacks that were throwing the ball were pretty good. Um, I don't they know. They put out video Banks. of them throwing? Was that? <laughs> there were throws and catches. Uh, throws and catches, baby. I don't know, Banks, if you want to if you want to maybe take one of, uh, of the takeaways that you sort of scanned around. Obviously, you weren't standing and watching on the field, but, you know, there were enough people doing it. The, yeah, everybody tends to report a lot of the same things. The it was Hollywood Brown. I mean, he seemed to be far and away, you know, two long touchdowns among other catches and those types of things. Uh, Rashad Bateman working his way back to the football, being a very, I don't know, physical and, you know, route technical type of guy. That's exactly what he's supposed to be advertised as. Um, and then the downside, I mean, I was, I was just like steaming as I'm reading Twitter during that hour and a half of practice, whatever it was. And you get the Bradley Bozeman tweets come through like, oh, shit, he's, you know, snapping balls over people's heads. And he wasn't one of the guys doing it last year because he wasn't playing center. He's supposed to be the answer to that because he played center at Alabama. And, you know, that shit doesn't happen at Alabama, right? Um, just not the start that you wanted. Because, I mean, we had a very, very, very uphill battle against Buffalo to come back in that game once we were in the hole. But it was over as soon as that – a snap went over Lamar's head and he got hurt chasing it down. So, um, 
pretty much two of the things that ruined the 2021 Ravens or 2020 Ravens rather um, reared their head today. And so um, I'm just a sour, sour man right now. Sour, very sour. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the, that, that <laughs> this is, this is not upbeat banks. This is just not I, no, I, right I want to be upbeat you when I'm be talking upbeat. about day one of training camp. I'm watching the, the Olympic golf here and they did a, a playing through and, and I was looking at the, the, uh, they, they're bringing back the, the scoop. There it is commercial. And I'm not, it doesn't even make you, if that's not getting you in a good mood, that's very concerning. I, I, I personally am obsessed with the Yogi Bear commercial right now. That's yeah. As, that's as you know, it's you a and I both. It's a smorgasbord, but uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> it was a weird day to be. I, I think <laughs> we could get we could pick through the tweets and the takeaways from the first day of training camp here for a little bit. I think overall, this is a very first weird day. This just, or excuse me, this is a weird first day overall. It just was weird. It was just weird and up and down and sort of depressing. After Lamar news, and they're like, oh, Hollywood Brown, look how fast he looks. Look how fast he looks. This is great. And then you have people snapping balls over people's heads, and it, it was just a very, very weird day. It was a very, very weird day to be a Ravens fan. I, Trace McSorley. Who, Trace McSorley. I'm going to put you on the record. Who will be the backup quarterback? Trace McSorley. Mm. Guy's got his own TikTok song. He has to be. Yeah. Also, by the way, the thing that I took away, just the small snippets, like I said, we're not there. Uh, a lot of those receiver tweets included turned around Sean Wade, got past Sean Wade. Yeah. Would be kind of a continuation of how he struggled in college. They're beating, they're beating that drum day on one. the first day. Yeah, huh? That's a beating the drum on day one with Sean Wade <clears> and a lot <throat> of receiver tweets. Yeah. The report on him is that he's not a – do it all kind of corner. He, you put him in certain spots, or maybe he was just playing out of those spots. I don't know. He worked in the slot in college. Did not do well once he right. got We'll see how we will see how that Avon Young didn't get hurt today. That's true. So <laughs> that's a really, really good point. He made it through day one. That might be the biggest positive of the day. <laughs> um, RDT, would you like to give a eulogy for the 2021 Nats on behalf of the 2021 Baltimore Orioles, or do you want to be nice to the Nats? No, I mean, I, you know, it just being the team that put the nail in that coffin was so fun. <laughs> I like, mean, you was, just sounded like you were in so much pleasure on Twitter. You were just so, so had so much fun. The, well, the best was, so Sunday I went to the Bay Sox game and I'm looking at the phone and it's like, all right, the Orioles are down four, three. John Means had one bad pitch and Ryan Zimmerman hit it like 400 feet. And I was like, you know what, whatever. They'll take two out of three. I'm fine with that. And then on the drive home, I just get a text from my dad, like Orioles win. And I was like, this is the – and I knew I had that video of me sweeping up all the old uh, Nationals and Expos logos from last year. And I was like, oh, boy, we're, we're getting this out again. Like, we're getting the band back together. Um, no, I mean, and it's, it's just kind of funny how that works. And, like, again, I mean, I said it this week, like, and I mean, who knows now if they can even trade Trey Turner and some of these guys, like, can you trade a guy on the COVID list? Yeah. I, 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 yeah. 100%. Can't you not trade anyone on the IL? And I know the COVID IL is different than the, the normal IL. Uh, I would think you could trade them. I, I would think so too, but I, I don't know, but I mean, <laughs> what a world we live in. Right now. Like, could you imagine if the Nats are trying to unload players and like, I like, I haven't seen a list of players test positive, but like if Scherzer, if Scherzer is, positive and he can't get traded now and like and then they just don't get anything for him it would be very nationals like but um 
No, I mean, I don't, you know, they won a world series. And that's what I was saying. I was like, you guys won a world series what, two years ago. Like your, your rebuild isn't going to suck that bad. Cause again, you can, you can go back to that, uh, to that world series ring and you'll be all right. But yeah, be, the Orioles being the team that kind of like cemented it was, was pretty, was pretty fun for me. I'm, I, I can't really lie about that. It is so interesting to watch the nationals. And as you said, when you win the ring, you know, it's sort of similar to the caps. It's like every, maybe you thought you should have won more, you, but if you get one of them, you know, cool. that's the entire goal of putting and together the a generation of players and the Cubs, same thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird to shop a guy like Turner. He's 28 years old. You, you, he's like so connected to the Nats of all the guys they're shopping. That one was shocking to me, but apparently everyone's on the table, but Juan Soto was the, I think the report. I'm even seen. like, why, like I get why they hold on to Soto, but I mean, you talk about trying to, cause their, their farm system is bad. Like they're, they're terrible. I mean, they went for it. I mean, they went for it. So they, 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 they again, and again, like, you know, you trade Giolito, you trade some of those guys. And, and like we said, it, Turned out it worked for you, but Soto's about as old as a as a college pitcher that you might draft right now. He's twenty two. Like he's younger than Adley. Yeah. So like I get it. If you so, build in four or five years, he'll still be twenty seven, twenty eight. Like the service clock is moving quick though. Yeah, that's true. But because it's like, do you do you trade him? Do you try and trade him? And I don't think I honestly I don't think that they should be blowing it all up. I think it's an overreaction. I think they still have pieces. They do need to restock the farm system, but. Um, and that's the thing, because because Strasburg, I mean, you can't count on Strasburg to throw another inning next year. No. And Saint, I mean, again, Scherzer's going to go, and I know this is a Nats a Nats podcast, and we're we're doing a deep dive, but I mean, Jorge Lopez is airmailed two pitches this inning. I'm sorry. Um, it's I'm not, not deep I mean, diving. I mean, that's not why we're not deep diving into the Orioles. Yeah, that's that's oh, very gosh. true. Um, no, no, not a lot of trade deadline talk to be had there. No, no, but I mean, I don't know, because they're going to be able to get something for Trey Turner and and probably Scherzer and and who know you know Josh Harrison and some of those guys. But I don't know. Like I said to my to Nats, my friends who are Nats fans, like you can't really complain. You got a World Series ring two years ago. Like, I agree, though. I don't, and maybe I, you know, I think Mike Rizzo is a guy that's always trying to win. Like he and they've shown mm-hmm. they make moves and they're aggressive and and they try to win. Yeah, it would go for it. It would shock me a little bit if he went full rebuild. Um, and they, like you said, you have Juan Soto, you have some guys, maybe you get rid of a guy like Scherzer to like pick up some maybe more major league ready prospects. And then you kind of go from there and see what you can piece together. You know, they've shown the willingness to spend money. So, uh, but a, you know, always a great feeling for Orioles fans to sweep the Nats. I think it, that is, even when you're, even when you're terrible. It's eerie how the Orioles just tend to get up for that series. Always. It's for whatever reason, they just find it. Even when they're at their worst, I'm looking at the page right now. Um, the Mass and Cup Wikipedia page. The Mass and Cup Wikipedia page. Yep. What do you think the overall record is? Are they now like twenty? I want to say like twenty-eight and seventeen. Something. No. Uh, like, there have been eighty-six games between these two teams since two thousand six. So I wow, think I saw it from like, like so twenty ten on or something like. I don't know. Or like I guess the last couple of years. I, I so don't know. what is it? Now? Eighty-six games. The Orioles are forty-eight and thirty-eight. Um, they have. So if you break it down by year, the Orioles have won eight times. The Nationals have won two, and then there's like five or six ties. And you're talking you're talking the full series, right? Like for the full season or whatever. Yeah, 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 full season series. Yeah, which is again, it's like it's crazy because even when those Nats team, I mean the Nats the Nats have competed, except for this year and last year, 
they've been a world a, a, a playoff caliber team eight of those 10 years, which again, like that's a, you don't really see that in baseball outside of like the Yankees and, and, you know, some, some of those Red Sox teams, but like you said, the Orioles, it doesn't matter. The Orioles could get up and they'll, they'll take two out of three and they'll uh, like, I, I mean, I, when they both were good in like 2014, I remember, I mean, there were some great battles between them. I remember a home run Manny Machado hit off Scherzer, like in the bottom of the eighth or top, oh, yeah. top of the eighth or top of the seventh, something like that, where Scherzer was fighting to stay in. And Manny, I think it was like the hardest hit ball off Scherzer up until this year. Um, huh. They've always been fun games. I mean, Davis had – I think Davis had a three-home run night on his T-shirt night or something like that one year. Again, some, something about it. I don't know if maybe Angela comes down and gives – Specifically him remember Ramon Hernandez hitting a walk-off home run at yeah. Camden Yards at one point. Scope had one against them. One of the, one of the random Sports Illustrated covers ever was the <laughs> dual Orioles – uh, 2012. 2012 cover with David Simon <laughs> writing the article about the about the rallying playoff bound Orioles. That I mean, that was I remember that coming out and just being just over the moon that the Orioles were on the cover. Yeah, it just thing. didn't make. It was one of the all time moments that made. They no just sense. they don't put the Orioles on the cover. That just that doesn't happen. That's just not a thing. Between 2012 and 2016, the Orioles won all five years. Yeah, like when the Orioles were had their window, they won every single year. It makes you – I appreciate the 2021 Orioles in a way that I maybe haven't appreciated other Orioles' bad teams over my lifetime because we've seen a lot of bad baseball teams in our 20 to 30, 30-some 30 years or whatever. Um, there have been some teams who have just really forgettable, just bad baseball years. And this team's bringing us a lot of memories. We had this whole Trey Mancini storyline. We had John Means – um, should have been perfect game. Was it a no hitter? Was it a perfect game? I don't know. I don't know. Um, the no hitter was awesome. Um, sweeping the nationals was an incredible series. They're doing yeah, things all, that all at least make, yeah, at least they're doing like the home run derby was awesome. Like they're, they're doing a lot of things that make this team lovable. And it's always better when a team is lovable, when they kind of find their stride and they turn it around and, and really, you know, push through and, and, and the organization gets there. So I'm really excited about the future. And like, whereas there were a lot of years where we were just bad. I think the icing, the icing on the cake of that story that allows that stuff to be a little bit more enjoyable is the success of the guys in the minor leagues. And I think that people are noticing that and the icing on the cake of having your top prospects all look like they've got a chance to be really good. It makes you feel better. I say that as Jorge Lopez has given up seven hits, five earned, um, in one and two thirds innings, so that's fine. We swept the Nats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, a the T-shirt. Jorge Lopez has, you know, on track to have. Oh, he's only got a five point eight four ERA. I would have said it was higher. Well, I I do feel bad because I shit on him His last. Whip game. is one point six two. That's that's pretty bad. But I feel bad because I shit on him last game, and then it came out that. He came off the what is it the bereavement? Yeah, bereavement. The bereavement. Did, did we talk about this last time? Because his son is bone marrow. His but his son was getting yeah, treatment the for like bone yeah. marrow cancer, yeah. and I was like, "All right, well, fuck me then, right?" So I I've kind of withheld my 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 trash talk on him. But he's also like, twenty years old and pitching in the major leagues, and the three of us aren't doing that. So credit they're, credit they're to true. I've not pitched in the, the yeah, major we're, none of those things. Yeah, oh, you, well, I mean, you're you just knocked up the number one seed in your your wood bat baseball league bank. So that's nothing. To sh- that's wood bat, right? You're doing wood bat. Wood bat. So, you know, shout yeah, out we're the one seed. Shout, shout out to your continued baseball success. 
Yeah, and hopefully we win the championship and nothing else happens afterwards. What were you saying? That you is asking so about true. my home run, Lauren? Oh, never. Yeah, I'll talk about that later. Sorry, sorry. We were doing. Oh, that. that's right. Your softball home run. No, I don't I, want to talk about it. It's not a big deal. I don't. I don't want to take the shine away from things. I mean, you could. I mean, what, where can you? Can you? Was it an inside the park home run, or are you hitting well, this over a fence playing no, softball? No, I mean like, many people. Like, I'll let you talk about it. A lot of people are saying that it's harder to hit a home run that doesn't go over the fence <laughs> than one that does, because it doesn't. All you have to do is be strong. But like, you know. Sometimes you got you to gotta switch it up a little bit. Maybe the center fielder uh, lays out for a ball and it just goes right out under his glove and you just run. Sure. And there you have it. And there, and there it absolutely that – that was talking softball home runs, men's league softball. Oh, Howard co-ed County, league. No, no. Sunday night, you trip softball. Is this a men's league or a co-ed league? No, men's league. I can't do Men's league? I can't. Oh, come it. on. I did co-ed once and I wanted to like – beat my brain oh that's bad. horrible as as, as you guys some love to the ladies to play on the best co-ed kickball team this town's ever seen have a little respect kickball kickball is different than softball though like kickball, it is no, it's a different sport it's it a different it sport is. that's true <laughs> does not forgive you does not forgive you for your lack of diversity in your league that's all i'm saying uh let's head to the uh the starting five draft presented by fed thrill i'm sitting right now taping or we're taping here and i'm in ocean city maryland you know what's great sitting down on the beach a nice pair of shades and that's what you need fed thrill for they're going to give them to you 20 percent off fed thrill use the promo code exit 52 i wish i had the shades i don't have them with me i forgot them at home you Sorry didn't bring them to the beach i i can't find them i thought i put them in oh, my bag i'm still here in baltimore i'll bring them down tomorrow I think they're here. We'll, we'll talk offline about that. But uh, I, I, we were scrambling to get this done. We were kind of in a tight time window. So uh, I, I, we, we had to get it going, and I couldn't find them. So, and I was not going to wear a competitor brand, which I did have over here. Um, I would certainly not do that to Fed Thrill. Never. Um, because they are, they are sunglasses, kings and queens. X52 is the promo code. Go to Fed Thrill. Wear cool sunglasses. We are not sure how this is going to go. This is Baltimore Trade Acquisitions is the starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill. So what Ravens – or the Ravens and the Orioles, I, I, what they got – I guess you're going to extend to the Baltimore Bullets from 50 years ago. But I'm fine if you do that. What they got back in the trade is what we're drafting here. So trade halls, acquisitions, however you want to define that. That is the draft. RDT, you as the LB trade deadline with the LB trade deadline in mind, obviously. Um, RDT, but this can be the Ravens too. RDT, you have the first pick. I have the second pick. Banks has the third pick. So RDT, you can start us off. Whew, I mean, there, there's a couple. There's two like big ones that stick out. For me, I'll, I'll go, I'll go the Orioles trading. Eric Bedard and getting back Adam Jones, Chris Tillman, George Cheryl, Cam, what's his name? Michalillo. Mick, I can never pronounce his last something name. Something like that. And some guy named Tony. Cam Macolio. Macolio. Oh, nice I butchered that for many years. Wow. Now. That was a tough scene. That's why I didn't try. And uh, t- some guy, Tony Butler, again, all for, all for Eric Bedard. Um, trade that basically single-handedly turn those, those, those bad Orioles teams we were talking about turned them around. And uh, all for a guy I loved, loved, loved Eric Bedard when he was here. Um, <laughs> that, like, I, I remember being like, why are they trading him? This team, like, this is never going to work. And then being like, oh, just being like a dumb idiot at that time. Being like, oh, that's why you trade him. So you can I made an Eric Bedard for Cy Young 
Facebook page in high school <laughs> I to try to campaign. I think I listed Eric Bedard <laughs> as like my, my religion or something like that. That's the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever heard. <laughs> I would have liked the like so, MLB going what a campaign. Some, being like, oh, <laughs> some, I just opened the page. Eric Bedard for Cy Young 2007. Some guy pops in and says, I might have Eric's kids. And I just respond, that's kind of weird. I just want him to get a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> have you, you, we, you guys know that, that our friend Jeremy Kahn absolutely like would fight Eric Bedard if you ever saw him again, right? Like fate on sight? Like absolutely Why? hates him. There's a story, and I, I don't know if, if I'm getting it right, but I think they were at like a bar together for either some event or Jeremy just may have seen him out. And again, Jeremy working in sports was like, oh, I'm going to go up and introduce myself. And I think Jeremy like walked up and was like, hey, man, what's up? I'm Jeremy. You know, I'm from this radio station. And like went out to shake his hand. And then he basically said Bedard was like, fuck you. Like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with you. And Jeremy, Jeremy, like he's the biggest. He thinks he's the biggest dickhead in the world. Like ne- next time we have Jeremy on, which should be soon, um, we'll we'll have to ask him that question. That's wild. So because Jeremy hates Eric Bedard, I also hate Eric. Bedard. <laughs> but Very I kind of wish he won the Cy Young in 07. Um. Wow. wow. Okay. He, I have this. Go ahead. I just just the last point on that. Like when you think about trading a good player and just getting a haul that's like a trade that I think of first. Mm-hmm. So, yes. yes. And I mean, that's the Orioles absolutely fleece the, the, uh, the Mariners. Um, I have a second pick. We talk a lot, obviously about Eric DaCosta in this, um, in this, on this podcast. And, and so positively uh, I will take uh, one of his more recent um, fantastic trades. that's made my life better after we trashed this guy earlier in the show. Uh, where the Ravens gave up 52-125 and a 2019 second-round pick to trade up to 32 in the 2018 NFL draft to then select Lamar Jackson. The Lamar Jackson trade was awesome when it happened on draft night. There was a little speculation going into the draft that maybe the Ravens would do that at some point in the draft, take him. They traded back up. When they traded back up, you kind of knew who it was going to be, and they took him. It was absolutely awesome. I popped off. We'll always remember where I was. I was in East Lansing, Michigan at a hotel. Shout out to my guy, Connor Newcomb. We were together in the hotel room, absolutely going crazy. So, Lamar, the Lamar Jackson trade. That's a, that's a great pick. I, I was going to take that for sure. I wasn't sure if we were going to dive quickly into, like, picks that became things and, like, draft day trades and things like that. And I was, like, kind of excited to be the guy to do that, to kind of break through that and be that guy. But you kind of beat me to the punch there. So, Banks yeah. just getting knocked down from all angles today. Yeah, Banks having yeah, a tough no, time. It's been a rough go. It's been a rough week. <laughs> Your pick. It is my pick. Um, you guys, you guys passed over. I know it's like not our lifetimes, but this is regarded as the biggest. Like some say, this is the most lopsided trade in the history of baseball. That wasn't a you know a sale of Babe Ruth, I guess. Uh, it's Frank Robinson. The Frank Robinson trade, 1965. Um, traded the the main trade was Milt Pappas. He was an he was an all star pitcher, but they traded him for Frank Robinson. The the Reds thought that he was washed. Frank Robinson he was like goes out. Twenty nine or something too, like. Yeah, like. What he was pretty, what even he was pretty young, relatively speaking. Right, and so Frank Robinson says, "Oh yeah, fuck you. I'm gonna go win the AL MVP and the Triple Crown." in year one so yeah he did that and he uh, made six all-star teams afterwards um hall of famer no big deal uh frank robinson he's in he's in the hall of fame as an oriole not a red 
that was the one that I was going back and forth with, the Frank Robinson and uh, yeah, I went recency bias. So okay, I uh, I was kind of eyeballing the Lamar one, and so now I'm kind of like thinking on my feet here. Uh, the Joe Flacco draft was also he was a uh, a pick that was kind of shuffled around the Ravens moved back and then they moved back up. I think um, the Ravens picked up the Jaguars. Uh, let me think I'm reading this. They moved back. Then they moved back up and took him with the 18. This is great radio. Um, <laughs> it's tough. Once you start reading picks, I know once you start to get picks and, and you're numbers. untangling it. And Wikipedia yeah. does an awful job with like these little, um, what do they call those An- annotation? Little oh, numbers so hard. Yeah, you can't follow. Uh, yeah, up. the trails are so fucking tough. Um, they fell back to twenty six. They moved back up to get eighteen because they knew Flacco was the guy they wanted. Um, changed the course of the franchise. The first time the, the franchise ever had, a, you know, a real quarterback that you know for the long term, and they went and won the Super Bowl. So I think that speaks for itself. Pretty good draft day trade. Two good quarterback draft day trades for the Ravens. That's a good pick. Um, I am going to take back in 2010 Anquan Bolden from the Arizona Cardinals for a third and fourth round pick. Didn't know where you were going. That it was just nice for the Ravens to try to get a really good wide receiver. And Anquan Bolden helped Joe Flacco win a Super Bowl. And he was an absolutely awesome Raven in every single way. So that is, I think he is a, he will be a fan favorite for life. Um, physical receiver. I don't think I need to tell anybody that. Um, and a great trade by the king himself, Ozzie Newsom. So, Anquan Bolden trade. Subsequently, one of the worst trades you ever made was just giving him for peanuts after that Super Bowl. Yep. RDT? Not a great one. Not a great one. Um, I will go – let's see. Oh, man, I only wrote down half of it. Um, the Orioles getting <laughs> – I wrote down the, the part the Orioles got, not what they traded away. The um, – the Brady Anderson and and the the and Kurt Schilling coming from the Red Sox because again I mean I can't think of '90s Orioles baseball without thinking of Brady Anderson and those sideburns and him rollerblading to the baseball to the to the ballpark. Apparently, he got hit by a tr- like a bus once when they said he was like rollerblading. He used to like rollerblade and bike to the ballpark. He got like hit <laughs> by a bus. That's wild. Fun fact. Um, but yeah. He- Apparently, you can challenge him to a race, and he'll race you. Didn't we used to talk? We were doing something with with that we should, for a while, weren't we? We may have asked Trey about Brady. We, I remember we asked on the Trey old podcast because he said he threw up in Brady Anderson's backyard in California. Correct. Like he threw up on top of the hill or whatever. Yeah, Trey's come a long way. <laughs> forget. Yeah, now and now he's hitting bombs in the home run derby. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll go that one. I'll go Brady Anderson, Kurt Schilling coming over from the Red Sox. Again, I forget who they traded. Um, and then my other, my back-to-back pick. Um, yeah, I'm going between two. Give me, give me Chris Davis and Tommy Hunter coming over for Koji. Uh, I had to. Yeah. Like, it was, I love that. Again, I mean, the both pieces they got back, were Chris Davis and Tommy Hunter, were two, again – the Orioles aren't there in 2012 without, without Davis. And, and although he was terrible in 2014, but I mean, Tommy Hunter started out the season as closer. People forget that. Um, but he was a hell of a, like a setup guy, you know, and, and that seventh, eighth 
eighth inning guy. He was damn good. He's a hell of a character too. He's like he's just the funniest person ever. I think where's he? He's back in the AL East now. I think he's on the yeah, I, yeah, and the whole thing. He, Tom, he got traded in the uh, the the Dick Mountain trade. Rich Hill. He just came back to the AL East. So I'll take that. And Koji was Koji was great on those on those bad teams. And it's always funny because Koji like cried when he left when he got traded from Baltimore. And I think it was Rock who wrote like, "Not many people cry when they leave Baltimore. Like everyone cries <laughs> when they get traded to Baltimore." Um, and yeah, like I, I love Koji. He was great for the Red Sox in those World Series too. But um, I mean, that that was a trade. I remember, and again, I remember being at Ocean City uh, when they made that trade and being up, kind of upset because I'm like, "Great, now the Orioles aren't going to sign Prince Fielder, knowing damn well they were never going to sign." <laughs> Prince but being like. Just trade it for a first baseman. Great. Guess we're not going to spend big money now. And He was a third baseman at that, the time. That's one of the most ridiculous outrage uh, fan moments I've ever heard of. Yeah. Well, again, Fielder. that's like, you know what else I got mad at? When Zach Greinke signed with the Angels, being like, can't believe the Orioles didn't get Greinke. Like, yeah. <laughs> just be A-Rod and the Rangers. Like, yeah, oh, like, I can't believe we didn't get fucking Alex Rodriguez for no, $252 I, million. Can't no believe idea it. what I was thinking. Being yeah. 10-year-old like, maybe, maybe me was like, oh, pff, we can shell out 252 mil. Yeah, like, what do you mean you won't go 11 years on a pitcher? Come on. <laughs> it, would, it, was always, it was always frustrating when it was – you, you like, watch the winter meetings. Back when the winter meetings were, like, a really, really big deal. I guess they still kind of are. And, you know, they would, you know, send it to, like, Peter Gammons or whoever who would, you know, kind of run through the teams that were involved with the best guys out there. And when the Orioles weren't involved, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, like, how can they not be involved? I'd be we're not, how are we not going after Vladimir Guerrero? Uh, by the way, Joey Gallo going to the Yankees. Ooh. Oh. And people. <laughs> That's gross. Judge was scratched. And they didn't – at first they said, they said it wasn't an injury, and they said – someone said it wasn't a trade, but they also – someone else came out and was like, it's not an injury. So – Does he have COVID again? No, they, they said, it like, it's not an injury. It's not anything health-related. Oh, uh, uh, okay. But it seems like everyone is Joey Gallo being traded to the Yankees. But it's going to be wow, sick. Wow, Joey Gallo, the Yankees. Now they're going to finish in third. The New York Yankees. Oh, I love I love when things happen when we're just like sitting here doing this show. It, it happens like every once in a while. Like when, it really does. Wow, like Yankees marquee dying. R.I.P. Yeah. By the way, and then a week, two weeks later, he did actually pass away. So R.I.P. to this marquee. Yep. Uh, getting back into getting back into it here. Sorry to biz. Um, two thousand six. What a transition. Two thousand six. Um, Ravens trade a fourth round pick to the Tennessee Titans for Steve McNair. Feel like that encom- feel, feel like that encompasses the entire. That was a very exciting moment, and he took them to a thirteen. The Ravens to a thirteen three record, and then could no longer th- throw. Rest in peace, Steve McNair. Um, I think a favorite of all three of the people on this podcast. So have to mention him on the show. Steve McNair trade. I'm actually not a big Steve McNair guy. What the wow! Hell? Oh, he's going to sully the dead. That's horrible. How do you not like Steve McNair? He was awesome. Steve McNair was awesome. He's a rival. He was not awesome with the Ravens. He was very middle of the road with the Ravens. Yeah, and he only yeah, led you, you guys to a 13-3 and three season. Yeah. Well, there you go. Your pick, Banks. Uh, I'm going to take a trade that I broke. Um, I'm going to take the Marcus <laughs> Peters trade. 
<laughs> All right, you settle down over there. You settle <laughs> down. I'm still waiting on credit from Adam Schefter, oh, among yeah. others. It's like when I Marcus broke Peters. the uh, Terrell Pryor signing. I didn't, he didn't give me credit for that either. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about Jets signings in a little bit. Sure. That's, sure. Our, that's, the, that's the draft on if – you, if you subscribe to Exit52+, plus, you get that starting five draft on the subscription part of the podcast. I think it's 52nd Avenue and whatever. <laughs> all that in New York. Marcus Peters uh, for a fifth-round pick and a linebacker that we had benched. Yeah, it's an amazing it's an easy, trade. It's, it's an, an amazing, amazing trade. trade. It's an easy pick. Um, had to be done. I mean, it's just highway robbery by EDC. So, in terms of it being an absolute fleecing, like, yeah, the Lamar Jackson trade that EDC made was monumental. I guess technically it was Ozzy. That was his last draft, I believe. But it was, you know, obviously was just momentum shifting per franchise, whereas this was just a flat-out fleecing especially when the Rams turn around and got somebody who's, you know, marginally better maybe and like sold the farm to get him. So um, on the wraparound here, I am going to stick with the EDC 2019 trades and I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take backup punter kicker for a fifth round pick. It's one of my yeah. favorite. It's one of my favorite things. Uh, Eric that's one that I, I think I, there was no gentleman's agreement made for the draft between the three participants, but you should have that on your team. That is, Thank you, you. you talked about that. You talk about that more than anybody. Else. I'm not done talking about it. Yeah. Just an <laughs> absolute, I mean, he takes, Ferrari Vedvik. we just take this, this guy who does one thing and then we, Oh, I guess we'll, we'll go out and punt too, just in case. I don't even remember what she did first punting or kicking, but goes out there. And I, I, I think I remember being in the box with you Taylor and we're mm. watching this preseason game, maybe in the mm-hmm. Packers. Yep. And I, he's like, knocking down these 48 yarders and i'm like this guy's gonna yield us a draft pick here some team's gonna gonna blow on like week one or something or or somebody's gonna be in a kicking contest here in training camp we're gonna we're gonna flip them before we cut them and it's exactly what happened we got a fifth round pick out of it and now Um, where is he now isn't he overseas somewhere oh my god he bounced all over the place and was awful all like vikings jets somewhere else but isn't he's He's definitely overseas now, right? Somewhere. I thought I saw like anytime I, I see an I have, update, I don't know where he it's is. It's always from you, and I thought it was like an over. I thought he was like he's kicking in the Norwegian Football League or something like that. Yeah, it is. It, it we were absolutely sitting there watching that together, and it was you did say that he that and he looked like the best kicker that ever lived. It was incredible. It was one of the wildest things I've ever seen. He was I'm, awesome, I'm but we had the goat on the sideline. He was just chilling in his sweats because it was like the last preseason game or something. It was sweet. Yeah. So, I, it's, it's just it's just EDC. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's why it shows you that even if you're going to bring someone in to, you know, like not actually play for you, really, like it it just pays to have really good scouting throughout your roster because who knows who you're going to flip for something else? It turns yeah. into something else. It turns into something else. It turns into something else. Um, let's see. What do I want to do here? Um, ba, 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 ba. Um, the Willis McGahee trade was fun. I'll take the Willis McGahee trade. Willis McGahee was fun okay. for a little bit. All right. Ravens traded a uh, yeah. 
third to seventh, and another third for Willis McGahey. Um, well, made a Pro Bowl. Willis McGahey also was awesome to have because him coming back from the knee injury in the or, or in the uh, national championship game is one of the all-time injury returns. I don't know how his knee still functioned, and it was fun to have on the Ravens for a little bit. So I'm very, I'm very happy that there's no like HD clips of that. Like his knee, because if you try and watch the clip, watching every, that live was horrible. I mean, it was yeah, awful. and they showed it a billion times, a I billion times. Yeah, David, we were at David Briggs's bar mitzvah. We drank them dry <laughs> of Shirley Temple's. Uh, whatever dining hall we were at, we wiped them out of grenadine because we drank all the Shirley Temple's. I think I had thirteen that night. And you didn't BYOG? No, I now now I do, but back then, no, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. Um, but oh, yeah, oh man. They had a TV somewhere, and all the dads were, like, huddled around. And we're like, what happened? Oh, my God. Like, his knee comes down and then backwards and then just, like, swings. And it was – yeah, thank God there's no did, – did he lead the NFL in, touchdown, in rushing touchdowns one year, the year he made the Pro Bowl? Or I don't know whether he did, but he helped shut down Cowboy Stadium. Yeah. People get so confused every time we tweet that clip. Because they think we're like, oh, he's one of the ones that helped shut down. And they're like, no, it's LeRon McClain. It's like they were they both fucking- did. I mean, yeah. they, they both did. It was a tag team effort. Yeah, but people only were like, no, LeRon McClain did it. And I was like, no, but something else happened. Idiots. But good old Willis. You still a Maple Lawn native. I, I used to see him at Chick-fil-A. The drive through Held the door for him once at BP. There you go. RDT got two. All righty. Again, I mean, I, I, we're sticking with a the theme. J.J. Hardy, Brendan Harris. This is where, when you said in 2010, Taylor, this is where I thought you were going. J.J. Uh, Hardy and some guy, Brandon Harris, for Jim Hoey, who I think he was a, I think he was a, uh, a random Oriole honorable mention last week. Jim Hoey, what a name. Yeah, Jim yeah. Hoey. Uh, Jim Hoey and some guy, Brett Jacobson. And I remember when they made the trade, I walked into the uh, – um, champ sporting goods in the mall and they had like jj hardy jerseys and i was like who the fuck is this guy like, this guy stinks and then two years later he's he's and he's going into the hall, the orioles hall of fame in, in like a week and a half so again shows how much i know but uh i mean that, hardy was a damn good player for a long time i'm still i like i think that guy should be on the coaching staff somewhere send him down to send him somewhere i would love to see him in Bowie. coach does he up. still live in the area i'm not sure it you know what? There was a piece on him in the athletic. I think he had, he was friends with someone who had who died of MS, um, and there was like a whole big story with them. And I, I, I if I read that, I'm sure it would say where he was living. But I would love to like see him somewhere in like Hunt Valley or something like that, like Owens Mills somewhere. But I thought that yeah, that's a great trade. Um, and my final one, again, I can't pick any Ravens ones because it just. It does. It doesn't. I feel like I'd be. That's a sense you are you're here just to pick all the Orioles ones. Well, and I'm because I don't want to take away from you guys. Uh, go ahead. The last one would be, I'm gonna go Mark Reynolds for David Hernandez and Banks's boy Cam. What is it? Cam McColio. Yeah, McColio. Because uh, again, Mark Reynolds was here just to hit bombs, and he single-handedly willed them to that like 2012 wild card game. Is it seven home runs? Six home runs, seven games, or seven home runs? In six games down the, uh, the sheriff, down the yeah, the mm-hmm. sheriff, one of the original ones. Uh, second deck. He, I mean, guy did it all. He was the original Chris Davis from the from the right side. He was 
incredibly fun at one point. Very yeah. fun. Very yeah, and he was like not a true first baseman, but he kind of started playing first base, and he like could play it well enough, but he was also an athlete playing it, and his stretches and his like he was just making first base interesting. And he wasn't playing it poorly in any way, but he was just an interesting first baseman. I just hit absolute tanks. They were tanks. Just absolute and, tanks. Uh, is he still in baseball? Big, big fan of Shock. Vice versa. Is he? Oh, he's a UVA guy. Shock mentioned him when he was on. What did he say? He was like, yeah, man, I got to meet Mark Reynolds, and that was fucking sweet because that guy's just an all-time guy. So he's just a big fan of him. That's right. He did. I forgot about that. Yeah. He met him. Yeah. He met him at this world series. I think he said, yeah, yeah there we go. Um, with my, with my final pick. Oh man. What do I want to do here? Um, I, I'm going to take this because I mentioned this guy. I mentioned both these guys in different veins during the random Orioles draft. So it just feels right for me to take them. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this. On April 1st, 2009, the Baltimore Orioles traded Hayden Penn to the, to the Florida Marlins for Robert Andino. I will take that as my final <laughs> pick in the draft. Robert sure. Andino was getting drafted by me in one of these drafts. So he's getting this one. He's just a legend like that. He's just, get that's, that. my, that's my guy. That's my, the jersey hangs in the closet. And shout out to Hayden Penn, who's now been mentioned more times in this podcast than I ever would have thought. Finish it off, Banks. So I've got the last pick here. Um, Eric may or may not be handling some daddy duty for a second, no, or, or not. He's just gonna hang out here. He's gonna so, talk himself in. Yeah, I was gonna say like <laughs> I can talk my way through the last pick here, um, but it would be better if Eric was here for it because this is gonna be one that no one's really gonna remember the trade. It wasn't really monumental, but sometimes you just gotta make a trade to to get a guy the fuck off your team. Mm. And in 2005, I like this. I like this. We angle. signed this guy, Steve Klein, lefty reliever at oh, a oh, St. Baby. Louis. And within a week, he was talking shit about his teammates and he was how used to like Edgar Renteria and Jim Edmonds he was and how they would pick him up out in the field and his fielders in Baltimore weren't as good. And he was bitching about getting booed and how St. Louis fans would never do that. And he wouldn't shut the fuck up about St. Louis. Um, he pretty much just said they're smarter fans than us or something. He just trashed Baltimore the whole time. So we shipped his ass out of here. We got Latroy Hawkins out of it, which was, yeah, Latroy Hawkins, you know. You know, in the scheme of bad, you know, Orioles teams, like Latroy Hawkins was one of those guys that was like, oh, this guy could actually play for another team in this league and hold his own. So I'm um, taking the Steve Klein trade to just – because you got to get a guy the fuck off your team. I, like I, I, I was at a game when he balked and he got – he balked twice. And he got thrown out, and he he pulled the bubble gum, helmets, uh, you know the the cooler. He threw it all in the field, what and a I remember dickhead that guy being was. like, "Oh, like again, balked twice in an inning." So, yeah, he um he was the dirty hat guy, the guy who never washed his hat. Oh, he could not like he would not have been able to pitch nowadays. I think yeah, Trey that's Mancini, true. Trey Mancini should have dong here. Yeah, Trey Mancini dong. So love that natural. Uh, Fun draft there, guys, as we, as we shoehorn a little trade deadline talk with the Orioles just having no fun trade deadlines. I wish we had trade deadline things to talk about. We really don't want the Orioles. Um, RDT took the Adam Jones, Chris Tillman, George Sherrill trade. 
Um, the Brady Anderson trade, the Chris Davis, Tommy Hunter trade, the JJ Hardy trade and the Mark Reynolds trade. I took Lamar Jackson trade and Quan Bolden trade, um, the Steve McNair trade, the Wilson McGahee trade and the Robert Andino trade, which, you know, sits in the hearts and minds of Orioles fans everywhere. Uh, Banks took the Frank Robinson trade, the Joe Flacco trade, the Marcus Peters trade, the Karari Vedvik trade, which I actually thought you were going to take first. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm missing one here. Am I missing one first? Did I Steve Klein. Mislabel? Steve Klein. I mislabeled it. <laughs> Steve Klein actually, trade. I just talked about it five seconds ago. Um, yeah. So that's the draft. Starting five draft presented by Fred Thurl. I really don't have any honorable mentions. I was – You were running thin. Well, there's just not – there. I mean, there are notable Orioles. There are notable trades, but football isn't really a trade league, so it's actually amazing. No, that and I didn't have so many. And the Orioles have just never been in contention enough to have fun trade deadlines. <laughs> so I, you just don't I mean, have as much of a history of this, at least in the last like twenty years. I mean, yeah, and I, the one yeah. is Andrew Miller for Eduardo Rodriguez, which I that yeah, was my that was if decent. I hadn't taken Robert Andino as a comedy pick, that was going to be my pick. Was the Andrew yeah there and also. Like you're hard pressed to find Ravens draft picks at all that weren't involved with a trade of some sort. So like yes. we could have just picked any, like didn't want to make the draft about that, but like Marshall Yonda is an example of a guy. Yeah. Like Ray Lewis is from a draft trade. trade so we, yeah. I was going to say like, Lewis Ray is. Lewis, technically the trade was made by the Browns. Uh, Belichick made the trade on draft day in 1995. And so that's why we had two first round picks in 96. And, uh, that's how we ended up with Ray Lewis. But, um, yeah, I mean, I have a couple others. I was going to maybe take the Terrell Owens trade as a joke. I was know, thinking about he, I was going to That would have been a great pick for you to mix in a football pick. But that, The Terrell Owens trade, that, what a moment that was. That was a whole thing. Um, yeah. yeah, there's uh, – I just had another – oh, we, we had John Lester for like an hour and a half on Twitter. That was a cool thing. Oh, until, I had the blog written and everything. Did you? I mentioned I mentioned that last week when Trey hit the home run off John Lester, and I said like Trey doesn't give a shit that John Lester was basically an Oriole in 2014. Yeah, we had him. People for were like, like, "What? 45 uh-huh. minutes or something?" And then the A's got him or something. Yeah, I, I remember like having the blog like literally like finger on the mount like on the button being like refresh, 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 and it being like going to the A's. And I just remember deleting it and and vining it and putting up uh, goodbye, my lover over me putting the, <laughs> the blog in the trash can. Uh, R.I.P. Vine. I had, I, had a, I had another one, too. Uh, which Jamal is, Lewis was another guy, by mm-hmm. the way, that was, uh, I think, moved around a little bit. Yep, there was a move around there to get that, yep. I had yeah, – there's a, there's a ton with the Ravens in terms of just the – I think Michael Orr to draft day trade or draft-related trade. We almost trade. had Byron Leftwich until we didn't. <laughs> that is a monster chaw that guy has in. I don't know who that is. Anyways, watching golf. I did. Uh, I had Bud Norris for LJ Hose, and then I remembered it was Josh Hader, too. And I was like, ah, I can't was, really. Did, did we get Jason Hamill for Jeremy Guthrie? Yes. What a trade that is. Really mediocre. What a trade that is. I mediocre mean, pitching. The, the, the Steve Clevenger for Mark Trumbo straight up should be mentioned. Like that. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, that's I mean, a good he one. Led, he, he led the team, and he led the the league and home runs like that. Oh, um, I remember, I remember the one I forgot. I, I stopped myself from saying this cause I wanted to keep it on the board. Um, Clias Campbell, we like did the same exact thing with the fifth round pick. Like we flipped the Vedvik pick in some way in order to get Campbell essentially. Yeah. Which you hope 
helps the Ravens at some point in a Super Bowl here. I mean, that was the, the point of that. If you, yeah. if you got a defensive lineman that can win, it help you win the Super Bowl for a backup punter. Essentially, what you did. That's, that's a pretty good trade. Um, thank you once again to Fed Thrill for supporting, um, for supporting that segment. Exit 52 is the promo code. Um, do that. Go to that. Buy sunglasses. Fed Thrill is awesome. So shout out to them. Uh, Nick Kaner Medley, Maryland Person of the Week. Um, RDT, I'll send it to you first. Um, real quick, I almost, Banks, you would have enjoyed this too. I almost did an honorable mention uh, the Orioles trading for A.J. Burnett because – they were always just, it, you know, it was every offseason. That was another name that just followed the Orioles around for a yeah. long time. It just never happened. Lives in Moncton. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's always what it was. Like, lives in Moncton. Lives in Moncton. Yeah. Um, Nick Kander Medley, I'm, I'm going to go Mo, just because the one-year anniversary of, you know, him dying today on Wednesday it is. Um, obviously, we're talking Trey to hit a home run. And Sanzi threw out the first pitch to, to Trey and all that. So, some neat stuff going around. It's been a weird year. It doesn't even seem like it's been a year, but had to give, give some credit, give some shine, some light on him today. So we'll go with Mo. Timeless pick. It's always, yes, it is. always plays. Yes, it does. Thanks. Um, God, can I just like, take all of the olympics like i just want to take all of them yeah i can't I mean, do it's... that for me like i just i can't do that to you um, oh take it take it i mean we can just talk we can do it i mean i have a specific olympics one so if you want to take the rest of the what's going on you go yeah. ahead first and then sure back. um i will take and i'm I, i'm i wish i'd had this all written down before um the olympic medalist from maryland um chase kalish uh, won a swimming gold. Obviously, Katie Ledecky, you know, she's winning all of her medals. And I'm scrambling right now to find the name of this triathlete. Um, Katie Zephyrs? Zephyrs? I can never pronounce her name. But she won a bronze in the triathlon, which I don't know if you got either of you guys watched the men's or women's triathlon. Obviously, the triathlon's really hard. You start watching it, and you're like, how is anybody doing this? How, how is anybody still standing? anybody doing this? Mm-hmm. And I, I posted a screenshot on Twitter um of like the end that they did an aerial shot and everyone in the men's draft like the last the first 10 finisher all just lying on the ground afterwards i mean i don't know how anybody does that thing but shout out to maryland's um maryland's olympic medalists um natives of maryland know those people went to the university of maryland um and and we've got some more we've had some more tiafo unfortunately is out in tennis um matt centrowitz will be a a medal contender in track helen rules and wrestling um isn't there a soccer player? A Ledecky, there's still a little Ledecky to go. So, isn't there a soccer player who went to River Hill who's Trinidad and Tobago? He's playing. He's I think he's playing soccer for some country. Well, the two the two countries from Concacaf are Mexico and Honduras. Why did I think? Maybe, maybe not. You you thanks. You can go on. I don't want to. You me. also have the greatest the greatest uh, the greatest Paralympian. Um, on the U.S. team, Tatiana, Tatiana who is I've, I, she's, up a couple weeks. I've seen her. She used to work out at Reservoir. She went to Atherton. We used to see her all the time. My brother actually did Special Olympics stuff, like while she was competing there, and so like seeing her was was pretty cool. Donovan Pines too is from Clarksville. 
Donovan Pines not on the Olympics, though. He's playing in the gold. Why cup. did I that's think my he, guy, right, Donovan so yeah, Pines? You, you yeah, it's the gold cup. I, I yeah, thought I thought I read it. Would have Don Don Pry, Donnie would have played on the Olympic team had the U.S. qualified, but the U.S. just <laughs> refuses to qualify in men's soccer. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah, um, I missed two. Two I missed. Kyle Snyder for wrestling was a gold medalist in 2016. Went to Ohio State. Sucks they didn't go to Maryland, but he's awesome. And then John Stefankowitz of Bel Air, another Olympic wrestler, coached by the great Jay Ellenby in Bel Air, father of my pal and Maryland coworker Sean Ellenby. So shout out to Jay Ellenby, one of the legends of Maryland high school wrestling. Had to throw that in there. Where did that swimmer go? Because I saw that he was. Where was he from? Bel Air. Chase Kalish. Yeah, I don't know where he went to high school. Because he he went to I, he went to college at Georgia. I he saw went yeah, to, I knew that. He trained at NB, NBAC, obviously. Oh, I wish I'd had this here. I don't know where he went to high school. I'm sure he didn't swim in high school. I'm sure he just swam at NBAC. It's like I thought. I thought Falston. I saw he was born in Bel Air, but he went to high school in like went to Falston. Went to Falston. Falston? I don't know. Apparently, according to Google. How about that Thanks. person trying to say Connecticut was the, the swimming capital of the, like, the country? <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, look, the two best swimmers, male and female, in the history of the world are from Maryland. It's Ledecky and Phelps. By the Ledecky way, Phelps has pretty much claimed that title. Phelps has been really good on the like his – He's been absolutely tremendous. I mean – He's like raw. He's so unrefined. It's like early Romo. He's just out there talking and he loves swimming and he just loves talking about swimming. It's, and he's great talking about mental health. So he was so good yesterday because he was talking about the Simone Biles stuff and talking about swimming. He's just, he's been great. Yeah. Again, I mean, it's, it's night and day from where it was a couple of years ago, which is, which is pretty, I mean, it's awesome. It's, yeah. Can't, and I can't wait to see, on. I can't wait to see him at the Ryder Cup. Mm. Are you want to take anything specific about the Olympics, Banks? Yeah, I was absolutely mailing in this pick. I mean, I just didn't have one. I just. What's your just, favorite uh, thing you've watched the Olympics? I mean, the Olympics is the dominant. It's always thing. handball. The handball is always awesome. Uh, okay, this morning I watched. Um, I watched a lot of the three-on-three basketball, and I thought it was really entertaining, both the the women's and the men's. I think Shut. that it's. Um, it is just different enough from regular basketball where it's like okay, like this. I'm not watching the same thing. Because the pace is really frantic with the te- the twelve second 12 shot second. clock, mm-hmm. and um, obviously the you know you got to take it back and do that whole thing. So there's a different enough sport where I felt like okay, this like this warranted because I think when it got announced as as a sport, everyone was just like, this is kind of silly, like this is kind of a joke, like it's just what, are we just gonna just have two less players in each team, we're just gonna play basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that it's half court basketball and the shorter shot clock and all those types of things. I thought was very interesting. I enjoyed the hell out of watching it. And so. isn't it isn't it the second the ball goes through the hoop, the other team gets it and the, the yeah they're on the ball move starts right away, they're flying. Yeah, there's no all right, take back, check up, blah blah blah. I love that. I like you said. Yeah. I I didn't know really know what to expect going in, and I watched. Yeah, one of the I think I watched USA Women one morning, and I was like, this is awesome. Like this is yeah, this is really fun. Yeah, I, ten I like minutes. It it's ten minutes or first to twenty one. It's ones and twos. And um, I kind of want to see if they could do uh, do like best of three or best of five or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think I, what they've got to figure out from an American perspective, because the women's team, like the men's team didn't qualify. The women's team, like that was a real team, like Kelsey Plum, who mm-hmm. absolutely destroyed Maryland a few years ago in the NCAA tournament. Steph Dolson, like they had like really good players. 
What they either need to do for the men's team is they need to find a good enough team to qualify and then find four willing NBA players to just come and have fun with it and go do it. Or they need to get old NBA players from the big three. And I think they should get old NBA players from the big three. Like, can you imagine Joe Johnson just doing ISO and the three on three in the Olympics, like 44, like that's awesome. Like that's what that, that's what the U S should do. They should be able to qualify with those guys. And that's who they should send to the Olympics. It's like in, in, in four years, it should be, it, LeBron, it should be LeBron, you know, washed up at like, you know, 41. They should just send 50 year old Ray Allen and have him stand in the corner. Like, do something fun with it if you're the U.S., if you're not going to be able to get NBA guys to play. Wait, shout are you the, saying Robbie shout Hummel? Shout out to the WNBA players for going and playing. You're, you're saying Robbie Hummel isn't going to get it done for the. Wasn't he, he was on that three on three team. He right? was. He's really good on TV. <laughs> Robbie Hummel, really good on TV right now. Yeah. Didn't yeah. Get not, not great to put up in the Olympics against. Uh, or, or like, or figure some way where you can funnel a system through like take three of four of the five college all americans like do something to like yeah make like the u.s should be in that like i think um i think like the women's team was so fun to watch to have had a men's team that was similarly constructed with interesting players would have been like cool to watch when the men's when the women's competition was going on but shout out to the women for getting it done that was very exciting to watch them go through that it was and the men's final was exciting as hell too yeah latvia and the russian olympic committee and just the idea that the the Latvians won. You get a walk-off shot in most games because it's first to twenty-one. So like, the game wasn't super tight, but it was what twenty-one to sixteen or so. So when the guy got the got the ball from outside the the arc and had an open shot, like it was like this is to win a gold medal. Like that's that's awesome. That's an awesome just thing that you have happen there. They should put the Crime Stopper in three on three. They oh my god! They should Let's... dig up a kill car and put him in, in, in wherever he is. And we whatever... could do an entire episode on on the Crime Stopper. Yeah, whatever. We should get him on the show on whatever on whatever. Uh, he's got to be playing pro somewhere, right? He's got to be playing. I've got to wonder how old he is at this point. He is. Oh, he's twenty-seven. I was going to oh, say yeah. he's 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 basically Randall Cobb. Ooh, it's not great when you Google him in the first picture. It's a, of a it's mug a mugshot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Five foot six, one forty-eight. Um, twenty-seven years old. Played for the Baltimore Hawks. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about just, by the way, just not taking anything. For my Maryland, because I'm just I'm an, I'm a sour man, as I said. You are in a bad mood. I a I, sour I man. The smile that came across your face when I mentioned the crime stopper. Yeah, that, no, that brought me back. I, I, I there <laughs> was always... a brief glint where I I really was in on the idea of Maryland figuring out a way to get the crime stopper. I, I, can you imagine that era of Maryland basketball? That would have been him at Stoglin, right? He, yeah, he would have come yeah. in around oh the Stoglin years. Which they probably if they take him, they probably don't take Stoglin. I don't know what the years line up there. But that's a very – that's me and Banks' time at Maryland in college, which is a very, very light time in Maryland basketball history. If you had had the crime stopper as Mark Turgeon is trying to get the program back going, that would be very, very interesting. All right, starting lineup of P. Sean Howard, Akil Carr, Hawk I mean, Paulson. Hawk Paulson. Who was the guy? Who was the guy from Korea? Oh, my God. Um, uh, him. Jin Soo Choi. Jin Soo Choi, yeah. That was an Alex Len, was it? Alex Len was in there. Oh, Alex Len You threw in Hawk. Hawk was earlier than those guys. Yeah, I know, but I just needed to Baron, get Hawk Baron Weiss. Yeah. Baron Weiss. Baron Weiss yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, Hopefully. You're getting some Ashton Pankey in there. You're getting some John Oslander in there. Is a- you're talking Ashton like Pankey's the, the one that went to um, Transfer to Manhattan. Manhattan. 
He went to Manhattan. Yeah. Went to Manhattan. Nice guy. Once interviewed him for a feature. <laughs> nice guy. We used to talk to him on Twitter all the time. That's why I was like, oh, I love this guy. Um, who else was who else? Chuck was Mitchell. Uh, yeah, but we had that uh, recruiting class with like Chuck Mitchell, Jack Seth Clear. Allen, Jake Lehman, and Shaq Clear that was sort of supposed to raise the program's level. No one has ever been nicer than when Shaq Clear transferred to Texas and essentially did a Washington Post article with Alex Pruitt where he apologized to the fan base. I mean, what an incredibly nice guy Shaq Clear was. Yeah. Just didn't live up to expectations. I will never forget reading that article on Stamp. It's like, man, what a really, really nice guy Shaq Clear is. Um, I would assume that the honorable mention for me is just I've watched so much Olympics. So we were going to talk about, and we don't have to talk, about, but like the Olympics is just so good. It's on all day. And I, this brings me to one quick rant that I have to go on about. Here we go. I don't, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know what you're going to do here. Go ahead. Oh, you, oh I'll make sure to see if you can guess this because I don't know if we've discussed this. I think you're going to go in on NBC not having their ducks in a row in terms of what you're watching and when. So I'm going to go two ways on that. Because I do think that NBC has not done as good of a job as they could in terms of distributing programming. The fact that the women's gymnastics wasn't just live on TV at 645 when they put the opening ceremonies live at 645 is stupid. I went back and watched it anyway in prime time. It's not like you're cutting that much off. The thing that I am upset about is people complaining to just to get Twitter likes and retweets about that they can't figure out what's live and what's not live. This isn't really that hard to figure out. If it says live in the corner, it's live. If it doesn't say live in the corner, it's not live. I, I, I've just had enough of those people. I had enough of the people that it's like, oh, yeah, my God, I can't I agree. Out. Go to NBCOlympics.com. Like, actually invest some time instead of complaining because the Olympics aren't broadcast exactly the way you want. Look, 60% of this stuff is happening while everybody's sleeping. It is what it is. For the swimming finals to be – at night in the morning in Tokyo so you can watch them live is because NBC's paying billions and billions of dollars for the rights to the games. Um, NBC's broadcast could hundred percent be better. The streaming stuff with the world feed like randomly goes to commercial and the announcers aren't synced up with the audio. And there's like a lot of issues that are going on with probably just like a lighter production budget because of COVID and different things. Um, but I, I don't, don't complain. This, this always happens with the Olympics. This stuff is never live unless it's in a really good time zone for the most part, like stop complaining about it. Look it up. Figure it out. Stop just getting cheap likes. You're like, oh, the, when ESPN puts up the what's an Olympic sport, what feels like an Olympic sport that isn't. It's like figuring trying it out. To find the trying to find what's on the channels. It's like, yeah, they have it all laid out on the website if you actually went and looked. But you're lazy and you just want to get likes and retweets. So screw those people. True <laughs> Olympics people know what's live and what's not live, baby. <laughs> uh, so us, us hardcores, all right? Yeah. So I've had enough. I've had enough. And if someone in our listenership is having those complaints, DM me. I'll send you a schedule. I'll say I'll tell you what to watch. Taylor will personally come over to your house and preset your TVs for you. Yeah. Have you gone around to the bars presetting TVs for Olympic? The bars, the bars have been okay. At one point, I don't know. On Friday, they put the audio on for the opening ceremonies, and I thought I was just like in heaven. And then they turned it off five minutes later. But for a split second there, for a split second there, they did turn all the TVs to Olympic coverage. Um, I don't know. I haven't been. I haven't been in a spot where I really wanted to watch an Olympic event, and I was at the bar at this point. We'll see if that happens over the next couple of weeks. But um, hey, look, this is this is look. We're rooting for our country here. This this should be on everywhere. I mean, this is this is this is it. Are, and I'm glad that we have Olympic fever because there's all these complaints about people not caring about the Olympics. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I love the Olympics. I hope they never die. They could, though. We'll see. See what happens. Who was it? Somebody started to try to – oh, Jeremy Schapp. Jeremy Schapp. Started Which, to plant that seed this week. Yeah. Shocking. A, I it, couldn't it, believe it was him. It was, was him. a pretty measured take, but, yes, he did put that in the yeah, – Because he's got to work on an outside-the-lines thing for the next couple of years. That's what he's got to – OTL's canceled, isn't it? Well, that's, I'm, I'm no, sure they do it as a version of Sports up. Center now. It's like at two o'clock, and they do parting shots like the sports reporters, which is great. <laughs> it's very, very <laughs> send it around to a bunch of random writers. Um, that's it. That's it for the X fifty two podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us, unless you got something else, Banks. I just mod a couple honorable mentions popped oh, in. Oh, throw my them head out there. Sorry, sorry, out. yeah, sorry. Uh, you you think you're mailing it? Well. Um, I feel like we'd be remiss not to just mention Mardi Gras is fantastic. Like it's oh, always sure, fun. Yeah. It did our thing. Yeah. Uh, Arthur getting canceled. Um, that sucks, but that 25 years of Arthur. Shout out to a real one. That is a hell of a run. Did you see there was someone had retweeted it and it was like, someone was talking about it. Like it was like an actual show and they were like, had a great peak last few years. Not that great. Like storyline wasn't <laughs> really that good. Off. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, last few seasons could have been better, but like, I can't really complain too much. It's like, we're talking about Arthur. Like it was fun. I don't know if it was serious or not, but I love that tweet. That's hey, funny. Hey, hey, R-D-V-A-R-K. No, you guys yeah. just aren't Arthur guys. Um, no, I, 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 I did watch Arthur. Arthur. It, he, I think the phrase a real one. That's Arthur, man. Arthur was a yeah, real one. True, Arthur. true. Buster Baxter. Yeah. Um, and what is it? DJ? Was that the sister's name? No, DW. Uh, DW. DW. So. Yeah. I mean, still the best Arthur clip. Cut is that in, out. Uh, Cut that out. The, the, the Jankees lose. I pitched DW. Cut that out. Um, <laughs> I'm also <laughs> giving an, I'm giving an honorable mention to the 90%. Yeah. Shout um, out. So and, the, and, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> What's the stat that I heard today? The fifty percent of Americans that have both doses. Shout out to them too. I got. Okay. I got two real quick. Maybe it's more than that, but whatever. Got to. Yes. Got to give it. Got to give a shout out to Ovi. Just true. Sure. One last. One final five year run where, I mean, we're we're gonna see him get eight hundred. He's gonna break the record. I let think- the rec- I mean, let the record show the NHL stole two seasons away from him. Basically, his mm-hmm. should have had a. A pre-rookie year, I guess you could call it, and then a shortened lockout year and a shortened COVID year. So, yep, yep. And then, um, thanks. I was kind of leaving this one for you. This is right up your alley. Uh, I don't know if you saw. I know a lot of stuff was going on to what today. I don't know if you saw who retired. Hold on. One of who, your favorite. Who retired? I I. He may not have ever played an NFL game. All, um, all-time name uh, plays in the same Ser- conference. Played in the Sergio conference. Sergio Kindle or something? Nope. nope. <laughs> played in the same conference as Maryland. Press, big no. press conference. You, you know him because of the press conference. Jake Butt retired. Jake Butt. <laughs> That's, That's a really opinion. old callback. He retired. Know, but, Jeez, yeah. man. He only tore his ACL, what, 16 times? Oh, man. Wow. Jake Foot. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Harbaugh press conference. That's a throwback Vine. Yeah. Again, we're, we're, we're big on Vine this episode. But I know that, that was one of always your favorite tweets. That's a tweet that I could always hear you say, too, because you would tweet it out. I just uh, giggled Jake Butt. Jake Butt. Jake Butt. We, for, for, the, for the listeners, it's Jim Harbaugh saying Jake Butt is the mm-hmm. funny part. 
because he laughed at it himself. Like <laughs> it's him just chuckling at the at the name Jake Butt out loud. That's all I got. Jake Butt, what a way to end the show. A quick shout out before we go. Um, at, at the intro, I, I talked about um, a golf outing that me and Banks are involved in that is a competition. It is called the Captain's Cup. And if longtime listeners will remember that me and Banks were on opposing teams last year in this event, this year we were on the same team. And we are paired together in the first day of team play. So, so this is going to be out before the mm. – before the first tee time tomorrow, we have to cut that out. You're going to show our hand. We may have wow. to cut that out. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, maybe we can release it later. We can release it later <laughs> if we're driving and can't listen to it. We'll see who the uh, real listeners are. Yeah, we'll see who the real listeners. We'll see. Yeah, among our friends, we'll see who the real listeners are. But shout out to uh, Pat Dugan and Mike Myers, the other members of our team. We are going to absolutely, you know, in an era where we're rooting for the United States, we are Team Europe, and we are going to destroy the Stars and Stripes over the next three days. Those guys are done. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That's how confident I am. I'm willing to just throw them out there. I couldn't have more confidence in our Yeah, game. no, I'm not going to cut it out. When, we are in, we are in such a good place right now. We are in such a good place right now. Um, that's it for the show. Follow the show, Exit52 Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the boys at Barstool Banks at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. You can follow me at Taylor Smythe 10 Make sure to support Fed through all the promo code once again, Exit52. And as always, we love Jimmy Seafood. They're signing college athletes. They're getting in M&T Bank Stadium. I mean, they're doing something every single week. Shout out to them. And we will see you next time on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood.